Hey guys, what's going on? It's Brennan Sweeney with another episode from Coach's Cradle Podcast. This will be our second interview. Today's interview was actually my boss, Chris Kennedy, out of Prolific Sports Performance in Greensboro, North Carolina. Chris has been working here for a number of years now and has led a very successful career so far. He's worked with many pro teams, semi-pro teams, a lot of different professional athletes in the area, including a bunch of Carolina Panthers, which starts off our show um, with the Cam Newton signing. But Chris is just a great guy. He does a lot of different things around the community of Greensboro, including a Challenger Flag Football League, which we discuss. We also discuss a lot of ways to introduce culture into your sessions and a lot of different ways that you can just handle yourself and make your sessions a more enjoyable place for you and your athletes so we're gonna do a lot of stuff and i don't want to take up any more time so i'll let you guys get right into the episode enjoy no that's good um chris good to have you here so starting off the interview, I'm gonna, we're going to go a little off script right now because we had just been talking about this off mic. Um, just got word today that Cam Newton got signed. It's really a good opportunity for someone who has a lot of ties to, to this man right here. Cam and the whole Panthers have trained with Chris or people from Prolific for a couple years now because of the ties that we have with the Carolina Panthers. And so – I'm just going to turn it over to Chris right now to talk a little bit about Cam Newton and the history that they, that he's had with with the organization. Yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. It's great for Cam. Uh, he, I mean, I think he personally deserves the opportunity. He's making good money, man. I mean, <laughs> really good money considering it's just the remainder of the season. I'll be interested to see what happens in the future. But him as a person, dude, like the way he interacts with kids is far none, like probably the best I've, I've seen of a, of a personality the way he can. I mean, we, he would be at the park and well, Ricky would be working with him. Um, Cause he, again, Ricky was the receivers coach at the Panthers and just the energy he has around him or like the way he carries himself was super positive and like enlightening. And it would make a day's kid, man. I mean, I said, make a day's kid, <laughs> make the kid's day. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's exciting. He deserves it. I mean, hopefully we can get into a wild card spot or something. Yeah, I think from what I've heard, professionals training other professional athletes, you always hear about, I mean, just how easy everything is to them. And yes. that's the – it's not challenging to train professional athletes like that. But a lot of times they have different personality traits that, that could become challenging just because of the spotlight that they're in. But it's always interesting to see – a professional and someone as famous as Cam Newton carry himself around and kind of be the beacon of, of Charlotte for a little bit. I mean, he, yeah. he definitely ran the state for a certain amount of time and, and holding up like he did in the personality, like you said, is on the way over here, I purposely yeah. selected uh, a bunch of just local news or local radio stations. Every single one was talking about like, no music was really being played. Everybody's just talking about this, this story. I mean, I think it's, it's awesome, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. Yeah, man. Good news. Happy days. And moving more into to what we came here to talk about, uh, let's let's move that spotlight onto you now. 
we're talking about yourself and training some of the Carolina Panthers. There obviously had to be a lot of work done before to get into that spot, to get into that opportunity. How did you get involved in the sports performance world? And what would you categorize your education and your background as? Um, I would say somewhat diverse. I, I am a local kid, so I'm a local product from Greensboro. Um, my experience with sports performance all began like my sophomore year in high school. And I, I had a personal trainer before just to help me get stronger as a freshman. I, I did fairly well for myself on the field. Um, and the injury, I had an MCL injury uh, while I was in 10th grade. Needed to, you know, once I got out of rehab, okay, how do I get back to full speed? And came to find a velocity where Will Bradley, another local uh, coach, was working at. He was the head sports performance coach there. And I trained. I got better. I got faster. I mean, the results were were there for sure, especially for me. I, I guess I, my, I naturally adapted well. Um, my times got way faster. And in the middle of training, I was super intrigued by, like, just how different it was compared to – what I've done, you know, at the high school or with my other coach at the time, it, it was, I mean, I warm up, we're doing sideboard work, we're doing all kinds of intricate little things I've never experienced before. And in the midst of training, and as I continued, you know, the recruiting process later in my career, I did my senior project with Velocity, and they, they kind of stuck me with like some of the college interns. So I was, I was learning the real deal stuff and the hows and the whys and you know, there is a full, you know, science behind all this stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. I, I guess when I was young, I didn't re truly recognize that. Um, but yeah, he threw me in there. Will threw me with some of those guys to do my senior project. And I was just a sponge. And that was the spark, man. It, it, it literally changed a lot for me. Um, even the route in which I thought I was going to take in general. Like, I, I was a sponsored skateboarder. And while I was in high school, so like if I wasn't on the field, I was or on a visit on a weekend, I was literally traveling, trying to get some clips to film, um, which is just very different. So there came a point to where I was like, OK, well, what the hell am I going to do with my life? And my mom was like, uh, are you going to skate to school? And my mom was like, you need to do school. And that's where we went. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think that's a really fun fact about you is that you were a a skateboarder for so long and your success in football as well. I don't think you could completely disregard skateboarding to connect mm -hmm. it a little bit. I think there's a bunch of athletes that have taken different routes to get to where they are, obviously, but a lot of different high level athletes have that unique background where even if it's something as easy as a gymnastics background or, Hey, he used to get home and jump on the trampoline for like three hours a day. I think all those little intricacies can connect to have a impact on on your athleticism. Oh yeah, it's not it's not big where we are, but um, you travel out west west or down south. I mean, these prof professional skaters, dude, they they've got performance coaches without a doubt. I mean, Boo Johnson, Nigel Houston, these guys, they're training with some top notch performance guys. They are. It is now a true profession. Um, from an athletic standpoint, I mean, as you see, it's in the Olympics this year. But I mean, they they're training. They they're working on you know how to recover, how to yeah. properly land. Even shit, they learn how to fall, man. I mean, yeah, being absolutely. able to absorb impact and the context stuff that you know we've talked about off off this. But there is an aspect in that, and 
your quote-unquote extreme sports, I guess you could say. Yeah, and even some other sports are starting to turn more into the science-based side of it. Like like you were talking about, you learn so long ago, uh, golf, NASCAR, different driving sports yes. have become huge in strength and conditioning. That's a, that's a big market nowadays, and it's just because your body just needs to be able to withstand all that impact. Oh, yeah, and for, for me, like once – once I had to make that decision, uh, continue my education, went to play football at um, met my wife there, and I, circumstances happened. I had two all ligaments in my knee. Um, truly, like, never came back from that fully. Um, so I, I continued to study, of course, in school, reached out to Will, and he sent me uh, to Prolific Park because he was in the transition, I believe, at the time of Velocity leaving and him opening up what is now William Bradley Sports Performance. And I can say that was honestly a, a blessing. He put me in the opportunity and he put some respect on my name. He was like, look, I'm going to send Ricky. I'm sending you a guy that he knows some stuff. He's a good guy. Spoke a lot about my character. And I think, honestly, one of my biggest aids to getting where I am and where I want to be is I've had a great opportunity to opportunity just to be around good men like these guys who truly and genuinely have cared about me like Ricky Pro himself I mean Blaze Thompson Rodney Beasley Will Bradley Joe Ken all these guys they've they've taught me of course the science the the all the intricacies of training but they also have brought to me so many just lessons as a man and you know I think that sometimes doesn't get talked about enough of how much coaches have and truly molding men. Of course you hear it said all the time, but like they truly, I mean, I say this without a doubt, man, have made a huge impact on my life. Like changed the way I am as a father, as a person outside of the gym due to them. And it's truly just been a blessing. Yeah. Like you said, when you have hands-on athletes, like the way that we do, you definitely have to take the way that you say certain things seriously. I think that's the one thing that gets lost is a coach will be a, uh, to the media or to whoever he's a very, Oh, um, I, I want to do culture first. I want to be able to graduate X amount of kids, mm-hmm. but they'll just say all that stuff, but then have zero meaning behind any of those words. It's more or less just something to, to get their name under under a good light. Yeah, and I tell everybody, man, like <laughs> you had you I had a I had a coach that once told me, like, A, in order to be coachable, you gotta be like a duck. You gotta let shit roll off your back. You're like, let the water, let the rain, let all that stuff roll off your back. But certain things you have to let stick. And about us, man, like we're in the business of service. We're here to serve others and help other people of, you know, no matter the race creed age, sex, it does not matter. I, I, when I get in contact with you, when I see you, when you are in front of me, my attention is on you and I'm here to, you know, help you make strides, obviously to whatever your goal is athletically in the gym or not. Um, but the biggest impacts are truly what the impacts I, I, I've made off the field too. And you had said that going into prolific, they were talking a lot about your character, which says a lot about you as a person individually but i think that also reflects back onto your business because you are in the private setting you have to be a marketer of yourself you are essentially the product even though we just said it's not 
about you. I think yep. we can both agree that, you know, your face and the way that you behave is your brand. And that moves us on to the next question of when we're talking about yourself in a private setting, how have you made yourself as in the product more of a sustainable business and how have you made it successful in the last couple of years? Truly, uh, with, with me being sent over to prolific, one of my, had a class, which is just a facilities management course, right? Which is exactly what it sounds like, how to manage facilities, even signage. So what that taught me and Brenda, who, you know, from Guilford, um, she was like, look, dude, you need to just be a sponge. So I literally would just, I don't care what it was happening at the gym. I wanted to make sure I learned something about it. So I became a person who was always watching coaches coach. So at Pacific Park, we've got, you know, indoor turf, three basketball courts, of course, your fitness center, soccer fields, baseball fields. We have a lot. And I wanted to try to be around every single sector and kind of learn a lot about what it is they do, the hows, the whys. That way I could become better as a coach because we, we'll see a, a bunch of sports. We'll see lacrosse. But, like, if I don't insert myself into the truly learning, even from a, a younger athlete, like, I'm watching seven-year-olds to professional soccer athletes train because I'm going to deal with all of those. I would be stupid just to, you know, only go to professional guys, but all right, this is all I want to work with this top lot, top notch, and this is all I want. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I just wanted to be a, a, essentially just a rat and just learn from every single thing and every single little person in the gym, from the front desk to every single piece I've, I've worked it. And f from facility to, you know, moving goals to checking people in at the front desk, I, I've tried to learn from that. When we talk about you watching coaches coach, I think you can definitely learn a lot from picking up on those little intricacies that different coaches use in order to get players' attention. So there are actually some really good youth coaches that would blow you away with how they can keep younger kids' attention. Because yes. obviously those kids have memories of goldfish. My one coach used to always say, it's like herding cats, man. Like you cannot just get them in the same place. They're going to wander off. They're going to do their own thing. But if you can watch and learn and just pick up on a couple of different things that they do in order to grab attention or at least get your point across, I think you can have that success like you have when it comes to be age seven to 70, so to speak. If a mom comes up and says, oh, I got a young kid, but then I got an old kid. Like, can you work with both of them? Yes. Being able to have. I guess you could say two different personalities or being able to blend and bleed different techniques into that session is just going to make you a better professional. And it's also going to let your athletes get more out of that session. Oh yeah. Well, without a doubt. And essentially when it comes to, you know, being able to herd those cat, those cats and cattle, whatever. Um, one big thing or one acronym that we use here at the gym is power, which is stands for play opportunity work excellence and respect and i essentially just that alone is i mean what the gym is based upon and that first word is what play so part of the fun there's got to be some factor of play some fun in the training no matter if if i'm a danelle ellaby who was in the gym who's you know won super bowls but like there has to be an aspect of fun 
we're going to gradually work towards that excellence, you know, make sure there's still respect there, but it's, I don't know. It is really intriguing to look at some youth coaches nowadays and just the, they want, okay, my kid's only going to be a quarterback and just quarterback and that's it. And they just want to stick him there. You're doing a kid a disservice and you're gradually going to burn that kid out. And I've seen it a thousand times of just, you know, we got to only play this one sport, this one position, do this one thing for the rest of your life. And you must be great at it. You must, I mean, you'll, you just get burnt out. Yeah. And even to, to your own horn, the one thing that you're doing really well is that you are letting your kids play a crap ton. Oh, yeah. I think it's showing out on the field. I mean, Chris Chris runs his own flag football league, and if you check his stories out on Saturday, his kid's taken, taken it to the house probably every time he touches the ball. Um, and I don't think I've ever seen your kid go to, like, a sports-specific football practice. Never. Never. <laughs> and then we have kids that come in every single day, twice a day, whatever it may be. And not that they're struggling, but you just have a natural ability that's just overrunning every other small kid out on the field. And you just can't compete with that. Yes, yes. And I mean, being able to to jump out of a tree to land to fall. I mean, these are still things that kids have to and should be doing nowadays. And yeah, I, of course, you know, you, you want your kid to learn how to catch and throw a ball, of course, which we still do. But you got to make that shit fun. Like yeah. I want him to have fun. You know, I coach him a little bit on what the game is, the overall view of it. That way, he's not just lost in the sauce, but. Yeah, and I think that even translates over into your to your own training that not everything has to be this strict drill with all these rules that apply to everything that the athlete does. Yes. Um, I was talking to a, a basketball coach that was talking about vertical jump training, and you have little kids that will go into the playground and do a thousand jumps over an hour. Yep. But you somehow want to stick them into this small box of, Oh, we're going to do three sets of five. Exactly. And you're like a 10 year old kid and being able to understand that that kid is a little bit more durable than what you think he is can probably translate into his training a little bit better. Just have him play more, have him, have him naturally explore jumping rather than you doing this very routine. You can put some constraints on him sometimes where he doesn't just, you know, eat shit or fall on his face, but yeah, open up to play more and, I think that speaks to you as a professional is that when I'm coming out and seeing you train, there's usually a bunch of smiles to be had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, tr- I have fun, dude. Like, I, I I love what I do, first of all. Like, I'm able to touch a lot of lives, and that means a lot to me. And I enjoy doing it. Like, I enjoy the hell out of it. We've one, – one of the best things about Plyfit Park is that the facility in itself, there, there's a lot to offer, but I've been able to also kind of create. So we have the our sports performance brand. We, we've we had running clubs in the past. We've had obstacle course races ran at, the, at our facility. I've been able to start my own league. I've been able to also start a league off of that league, which is a challenger flag football league that, you know, is for those with special needs. Another passion of mine. It, I've luckily been able to make a living off of making kids smile, but instilling some hard work in the middle of all that. Yeah, without a doubt. And let's uh, touch on the one thing that you just brought up. I think running that 
challenger flag football league is is very commendable and speaks a lot about you as a person what kind of stuff do you do around that or what really drives you to do things around that that can have an impact on the community when you could probably just fill up that space for more group sessions oh yeah so if i wouldn't have went into a sports science major i would have definitely done some type of special education um Shoot, we've got a Ricky's built a inclusive, all inclusive playground at the gym. Um, the league that I run, the Challenger League, is ran through the Carolina Panthers. So I, I get a grant every year um, from them, from Dick Sporting Goods, to to run it, and we we play against all of your your major cities in North Carolina. Um, but it's just not a, it's not a, enough opportunities for those to play. So like, for instance, my first year, the way this, this operates, all have them come in, we'll do an assessment. Um, there's certain tests that we would run, not not like your average everyday combine um, by any means at all. It's much more simplistic, but very data-driven. So like a lot of stuff has been published. Um, but the biggest thing is once you finish that first day, like I had parents bawling in tears, man, out of just pure joy and appreciation because they're like, Chris, Cairo or Joe over here has never had the opportunity just to go and practice. And we have kids of, of that are very wide on the spectrum. So we've got kids who are in chairs. Like I'm, I'm having to go out there and, you know, push the chair to help them go score that touchdown. There's kids who might just be a little bit low functioning, but that it, it, they all come together. We're all in the huddle calling the play. We're all going to break that huddle. We all have one goal in mind. But instilling all the 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 techniques that you would at an, in a normal football training session, it just provides so much more value. Not that you do it for this purpose. Is it also just builds brand awareness to what we do here, and it kind of takes the seriousness out of what we do and makes a bunch of the people around us realize like there's there's a lot more out there than just what we do on a day to day basis. There's a lot more people that you can help. There's a lot more people that need some sort of service, even if it's just, hey, here's an, here's a fun environment for you, to, for you to go explore and play in. Oh yeah, and so <laughs> one of my one of my you probably didn't even know this, but one of my huge inspirations, man, is is one of our old coaches. His name is Ryan Roberts. He's got cerebral palsy, and seeing him train, I mean, he he's training. So we, we did strongman competition. It was called Frankenstein's Revenge. It was for those who had various disabilities or different needs. Um, and seeing the, the cast of athletes who came in to participate and watching Ryan on an everyday basis train clients. And he's training professional athletes or a seven-year-old lady on how to run, how to do certain drills. But he's able to do that. Like, you got to think, this this guy – He's not able to to physically and go run, you know, all of these drills himself. But he has to be able to coach and portray yeah. what the hell, you know, what the goal of this drill is, what the purpose of it is, how to probably do it. And watching him coach and listening to him coach, dude, is, I mean, spectacular. I mean, yeah, <laughs> he, he has the same, let's just say, vibe as a, a seasoned old coach, like some track coach who, you know, has got – He's got bum knees. He's got whatever. It just hurts to walk. So he has to use his 
his words, his his directions, and in, in a certain manner to get his athletes to understand what he's saying. And so, yeah, to that point, you can you can use a lot more than just hey, here's a demo, now go do it. Yes, there, yes. There's a lot more to that, for sure. Um, and yeah, and creating some emotional connection to to some of these kids is awesome. I remember when I was in high school, we did a challenger. Let's just call it a challenger lacrosse league yep. where. On a lunch break, we had the the special needs kids come over to the lunchroom, and then we would take them over to the gymnasium. We would teach them how to play lacrosse, and the the culmination of it all would be they got to play a game before one of our season games, and every kid would have to score a goal. And I've never seen just so much happiness in any of those kids. And and some of the we actually had a player whose whose brother was on the team, and his brother had special needs. And watching him play lacrosse, the the kid was elated that him and his brother could finally share a field together, and the parents were crying. And it's just such a cool opportunity if you could ever have that opportunity to just be around some of those kids because they are so much more grateful ever than a kid, some six-year-old football player that oh, yeah. you got your foot down. I mean, ultimately, dude, like in, in all of this and all of coaching, like, if passion, you know, the drive is not there, this is not the right gig for you, dude. Like, I get that league. I'm getting nothing from that. No, there's no deposits in my bank account for that. But what that provides for me is so much more valuable than that. And what that provides for the kids and the families, like, it, it is tremendous. Like, joy in my heart to see those kids every single weekend. And even the times in which they get frustrated. Like that is yeah. the perfect time for me to get better, to coach, to, yeah. to do my job, but in a whole different perspective and a whole different light. Like it's different if, if Ben, you, you can't, you know, grasp the concept of the, this A-Skip series. Like that's very minute compared to what, you know. What I don't they're know. dealing with. Yes. Yeah. And, yes. and yeah, I think that even – the the younger athletes that could because i train a lacrosse group around the time that chris does his challenger football league um they get to see and sometimes experience because they'll come over and like start talking to us and stuff and and it's awesome but um you also just get to understand like hey man sometimes like your shit like doesn't really mean anything like there's a lot of like people are dealing with a lot more than you you like your girlfriend had an issue with you this weekend like let's move on from that yeah and and let's get going and whatnot um so we had talked about earlier when you're in the private setting and you want to introduce all this play you want to introduce all the all these fun activities just to create some smiles and to make that environment more enjoyable what kind of environment, in your own words, do you try to create on a day-to-day basis with your athletes? And how does that change from the private setting to if you have a small group in there, if you have the the large group? How does that kind of come in? Because you, you do train large high school groups where it's 30 kids. You have trained small groups where it's like four kids that just need to get a little bit better. How does your mood shift from session to session? And how do you bleed your personality still and all that oh that's a great question um with culture two things a i think that comes with like time first like as you 
as a coach, as you continue to grow and you get better, you, you find out a lot about yourself and you'll notice it like your some of your sessions will start to change. You you'll learn, okay, I might have, you know, just these set drills for little Charlie over here. But in the midst of that, if Charlie walks in and his vibe is not there, like you kinda have to let the athletes have some say so and the setting and the, and the culture of it. Um, I, first of all, when they come in the door, man, I, I want to greet them. I want to be positive. I ask them because I, I care. I give a damn. I, I know these guys' families, their, their sisters, their mothers. Like, I have this thing where, like, verbally, if you if you talk to me, I can nine times out of ten pinpoint our last conversation. It could have been a, two, three months ago, but I remember that you and your sister was going to go to Disney World so when you get back those three months later or X months, months later after your season, I'm not just going to directly come to you and be like, all right, well, how many yards did you have? No, like you are a person first. I care about you. So let's have a general conversation. How you doing? Um, and locally, I mean, you have to spend time and give a damn about your athletes. Like We've had kids that have committed suicide in the city of Greensboro, like that are are athletes that affects teams. Like you have to be able to care and that all to me comes together to create a culture. It's something that like, it's kind of hard to be defined, but it kind of happens on its own as you kind of guide it. What you were talking about when you said letting the kids to decide the culture and then getting to know the kid you're going to get to the point where you you see the kid walk in, you understand his his mood immediately, and then you can start to shape that session around him after you get to know him. Oh, yeah. If he's coming in glum, then you can be like, you know what, I know the stuff you like to play, so let's just pull that out for the beginning of the session. And Jim Cobasso, a really great coach up in Michigan, once told me a really good skill for coaches to have is just learning how to ask that next question. Yes. So if you want to fill all your sessions with these empty questions of, well, you got any siblings? How many? All right. Uh, High knees. Uh, Being able to go into a, a detailed conversation about your family can tell that athlete just simply, hey, I'm, I actually care about what you have to say. Yeah, and I'm also I'm, I'm, I'm figuring out, you know, what, what can I utilize to help you get better? Yeah, like, what, what are the motivational tools? Yes, and part of that in itself, and like you've done a great job with this, is there starts to become in that creating of culture, those the peer leaders, the, the young kids, they, they start to help each other. You, we, we're running one by 20 with a bunch of young guys right now. If a kid has a question – we, we've done and you've done a good enough job of coaching these kids up on how to properly do the, the exercise. They can go to them. There's a bunch of, you know, guys that we don't have to stop every single person ourselves in our weight room. And that that speaks volumes. But that's culture. Like the kids know what we expect. They know, OK, well, Coach Brennan, dude, you got to change this. You got pause, rack the weight. This is what and how this is supposed to be done. And you could be down there helping somebody else. I think, to in my eyes, like that—that that is a huge part of culture. Like, yes, we're still playing. We're still gonna laugh in between. Like, 
But everybody knows, like, we want our athletes to have that on and off switch. Like, as soon as, you know, it's time to go, you can turn it on. Set's finished. Boom, I can turn it off. We can have some fun. We can still, you know, chat a little bit. But that comes with creating culture. Yeah, and even when we're talking about that on and off switch, that's important for everyone to have. And so the more that you demonstrate that on and off switch, the athletes will start to pick up on that as well. Oh, yeah. Where, yeah, sometimes in the accessory work, you can get a little bit more relaxed if it's going to be a little bit more of a, let's just call it a muscle building set, you know, give the kids some arms in the after. They may be pulling up their sleeves, flexing a little bit more. Shout out to Sean Arms Farm. Sean, yeah, Sean Brennan, big (laughs) arms guy. Um, Got to get it in every workout. But, uh, But then being able to take that, initial set that starting set very seriously and then yeah like you were talking about understand what motivates that kid is he more intrinsically motivated or is it going to be that extrinsic fact that they're that's going to get him going yeah. if he wants to we have we have a bunch of siblings come in too sometimes you just have to have the siblings like compete against each other yeah. because the older brother does not want to lose and the younger brother's got everything to prove putting them in situations like that and that semi-private and that small group is going to make a big difference. And when we shift over to large group setting, how do you try to fulfill that large group goal situation where they still need to get work done? It's a lot harder to handle. There's going to be more personalities on board. How do you get the same work out of those kids? Uh, by, by never losing focus on what, what it is. So like as we are getting started, getting warmed up, we're talking about what the focus is going to be for that day. Like that focus must always remain there like that. We, we still have to get shit done. Like no matter what, like I would be doing you a disservice. Like, yes, the kids same with my, my children now, like my own kids, they know for a fact, yes, I am dad, but like dad also loves to fucking have fun, dude. Like I'm not, I don't consider myself to be old, but like, I love to play. I love to laugh. So like, and part of me enjoying coaching you, like, I'm going to have to – I bring that same energy. Like, and no matter what, like, I know for a fact that, like, we're still going to do what the fuck Chris has. Like, our end goal is this. Like, we're going to get that thing done. Like, no matter what, in the middle of it, whatever extra fluff happens, especially in a big group setting, like, that that loss of control doesn't necessarily ever happen due to – a, the focus, but also, like, the other athletes, like we talked about earlier. Like, it never really gets to that point. Like, I don't even – I maybe early in my career, I definitely have lost a few groups of, like, just pretend, playing too much or whatever the case yeah. may be. But, like, as I got better, I realized, like, okay, well, how, how do – where did I mess up? I'm a big, like, self-review guy. Like, I'll – I pre, preview and review everything. From the time I wake up or by the time I go to sleep, I am previewing my day. I'm reviewing what the hell happened yesterday. Where could I have gotten better? So, like, with each and every single session, okay, I know I've got Joe over here. I know for a fact, like, last time I I did not feel as if we, we got enough out of him. I need to make sure we do. How do I make this task a little bit better? Yeah, and even just being honest with him and sometimes saying, hey, we screwed around a little bit too much, that's also on me. Yes. 
I think sometimes some kids are taken back by the fact that you're just being honest. Like, hey, I'm sorry I messed up, but we had a little bit too much fun. Let's oh, get yeah. some work done today. I don't want to lose today again. And, yeah, those big group sessions are are a whirlwind. And they, part they of, start and end like in a blink of an eye. Part of me getting to, to this point, and, and the guys I talked about at the start, was them coaching me. Like, them saying, Chris, you fucked up. Like, you – Early on, like, they got the best of you. Like, you lost that group once you did this. Boom. But I never I never realized that. So, like, having those mentors and those coaches to help coach me up myself has been a huge help. Yeah, and I can, I can relate the same way because when I was an intern, at some points I think I would just have a little bit too much fun and then some kids are, are going to take advantage of you for that. And then I had a conversation with, a coach, Matt Katie, shout out Matt Kate, Katie, no free shout outs. Um, get a check in the mail. But Let's go. he told me, hey, look, he, he was kind of a hard ass guy in the exterior. And so I said, like, how do you how do you flex that on people? And he said, it's an easy rule that I follow. It's just you get to earn the fun side of me. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to be kind of a hard ass for the first couple sessions. Once you show me that you've earned a little bit of personality, I'm going to give you a little bit more leash. The second you show me that you can't handle that, I'm going to take all that leash back. Exactly. And, and so I think being a coach that can have both that off and on switch is extremely important. Um, sure. Like and when you're having fun, let that focus be all fun. Yeah. And I mean, I learned from one of the best, dude, Rodney. I mean, this dude. When I t- so it's it's been written about in books. So Wallace Miles wrote about how Rodney would we would stick him in a group with high schools. This guy's a professional athlete, but like just having that culture and you know, there's still the fun aspect of it. There's still like that peer mentorship and and all these little factors and the aspect of playing fun into it all. Like you can't ask for anything better, and that that keeps a the athletes you know intrigued. And coming back, but also, you know, for a fact that like these kids are getting better day in and day out and they're growing friendships like this, this world, this life and, and our business is about connections. Like we have to be able to connect with these people and make some type of impact in their life. Yeah. And I, and one thing that I always consider when I'm, when I'm programming for these groups or for these athletes is just what are they not getting enough of in their practice life? And sometimes playing these, I mean, if you're around here, North Carolina hoops is big. Sometimes it's public school football around here. There's schools that take that very seriously. You're probably getting enough serious training and serious reps. Yep. Very regimented, very strict with all the rules and stuff. So if they want to come in and you're talking to them and they're telling you all about all that, then yeah, introduce a couple more things where you're just letting them explore and find out what they can do with their bodies or what they can do with the movement and whether or not they take it out on the field. I think that still makes an impact on, on the way that they think about some of that movement Oh yeah, that we teach. And even, I mean, like I learned from Blaze, he, I mean, he was huge and he didn't give a damn who you were coming in. He's still going to have your body weight squat, all the, the basic things. And he used to always say, I'm going to slow you down and speed you back up. Like, yes, you may come in to me saying, shit, I can rep 225 50 times. Show me a damn perfect push-up, bro. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like, he would not care 
who you were, where you were prior to, what matters is right now, you're in front of me, you are a blank picture right now. We're gonna repaint this thing. Like, let's have you moving better. Let's focus on you moving well, not how much you're moving. Like they, they, cause they're getting enough of that already. Like in this sport as if, like you were just saying, but when you get to me, we're gonna slow you down a little bit. Let's coach you up, then we'll speed you back up. Yeah, and I think they can also understand how easy it is to challenge you with simple movements. And they get a lot of on Instagram, looking at the discovery page, whatever the whatever the hell these kids are looking at nowadays yeah. is, you know, someone's single leg overhead squatting 225 on a BOSU ball. Oh, BOSU. And they're like, man, dude, I, I need some of this. I need some of this in my training. You're like, no, let's let's just do some tempo front squats and then let's show you how this this shit can really hurt you. But it can also really, really impact you. Um, so yeah, like like you were talking about, just keeping it simple can sometimes be the best answer for, the best. for the environment that you're in as well. Teaching some of that super detailed, complicated movement in big group settings, it's going to take a lot out of you. And I'd say about 90% of the kids in there are not going to understand what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Pick out some, pick out some simple ass movements, introduce maybe some tempos or some different focus points in there to, to slow everyone down. And, and you're going to get a lot more out of that. You'd be amazed at that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the final thing that we can end on here is just what are some what is the biggest misconception that you see when dealing with sports coaches, whether that sports coaches or different performance coaches that you're talking to in the industry, maybe some younger guys, what's the biggest misconception that you see them preaching about all the time? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, particularly like with, with sport coaches, um, something I've had to learn and business itself. And a lot of sport coaches need to also understand this is that like, you may not be the best at everything, like even, and that's okay though. But like, that's why you need to have people like us around your team. Like there's no way you can think, okay, yes, I'm a quarterback's coach, but I also can coach this lineman on how to do every single thing. Correct. Like that, it's just not realistic. And especially in a team setting, like you, you've got a, it's a new week. You've got install that you're trying to do for the game coming up. Like, and, but I still also have to do these things. Like, no, man, like there's a reason why we have position coaches. There's a reason why we have performance coaches and we, we do great in certain areas, but also you kind of, you have to realize as a coach and as a person, like I just cannot be great at every single thing. And in the private sector, like, that's hard. Like, for me personally, I had to realize I suck at marketing. I don't, like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't do enough. Yeah. I don't, it's not my main focus. And that's okay. Yeah, if you're not good at that social media aspect, understand that there's a game to play with social media, but there's also a bunch of young kids coming out of college that probably know a little bit more than you. Yeah. You don't have to be the old guy that has, like, two posts on Instagram and Exactly. Uh, you can get you can get more out of your business by um, hiring other people that can fulfill those roles for you. The second that I meet a sports coach that is talking to me, 
saying, yeah, my team's nutritionist. I'm their, I, I do all their weights. I do their, I do every position. I'm, I'm getting out of there. That guy's crazy. Yeah. And I think another huge misconception is, you know, when it comes to, to training, cause we work with kids from seven to 70 years old. I mean, Lee is playing pickleball and coming into the weight room, but there's certain, all of our adults can, can do hang high pulls, can clean. They could, they can move well. They're still active in life today. And you still, like, we're in the business of, of coaching and the game of life, dude. Like, <laughs> you, you have to be able to, to continually move well. Like, my mom herself, I train my mom three times a week. She's coming in at 5.30 a.m. She's got to be able to chase after Titus, you know, like <laughs> – She's, there's still certain driving factors and motivational factors that you can rely on and teach and instill in, into adults that can still pertain to athletes. And I think that's a huge misunderstanding is that like, oh, well, I'm just old and I can't move well. Like, uh, yeah. my knee, my knee. You, you shouldn't have to change the way that you move where I think the one thing that you hear all the time that, that may piss you and I off is just, Oh, I can't move like that anymore. Yeah. It's like, no, it's because you you choose not to move like that anymore. You you've stopped for twenty years. Yes. And even if your goal is something as pure as just I want to be able to chase my grandkids around, you, you're gonna have to move a little quick because those kids are gonna move in any direction in whatever direction they want to. You're gonna have to chase their ass. Yes. Um. So Chris, this has been awesome, man. There's a bunch of insightful stuff that we covered. Uh, some of the questions definitely got away from us at one point, but we're, we're all good, man. It's, it, it was definitely, it was definitely just very insightful the way that we, that the way that you touch on so many different topics, it definitely shows that you oh, yeah, a lot about, about this, about this field and, and the day-to-day stuff that you do. Um, where, where can people find you at? Uh, you can find me on Instagram, prolific SP, um, dope at CK is my personal page. Uh, Clifficpark.com, right here located, 4517 Jessup Grove Road, Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. So if you ever need to to contact him about anything, whether it be training or just want to meet a cool guy that used to be a professional skateboarder, now turned strength coach, um, he's definitely got a lot of really good information and can cover really anything that you need. So it's been good, Chris. Appreciate you coming on. Come match you with another episode next week. Thanks, guys. Love you. Out.